Hello, 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 my friend. Hello. How are you, sir? And happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy almost end to 2020 and uh, beginning of a new year. Light at the end of the tunnel. Indeed. And let's hope it's not a train um, or or the band train, because that's just as bad as the light at the end of the tunnel being an actual train. I'm not as hard and trained as you are. They, you know, they do have some San Francisco roots and connections. They did put out a song about the city. So I'm with you in substance, but I give them more of a pass <laughs> because of uh, their San Francisco connection. So I, 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 res- I, I, you know, I always have a begrudging <laughs> respect for your, your hometown homerism. Uh, I, I can't argue it myself as I am so fiercely pro New Jersey. I am so pro New Jersey ski that I have uh, and have used this holiday season I have used a cookie cutter in the shape of the great state of New Jersey. There and I go. have been eating butter cookies that I have made uh, using my mother's classic recipe uh, uh, because, you know, it's 2020 and all of a sudden everyone thinks they know how to do things. Uh, much like I think I know how to do a podcast. And uh, I also now think I can bake. Um, actually, that's not true. I feel good about the podcast. I feel tentative, great. Yeah. Ten- tentatively okay about the baking. Um, but you know, it's a classic, uh, holiday recipe. This is our holiday, uh, episode of yes. Sherman and Ski. Uh, we'll talk you into it. Uh, so we're going to talk about our, uh, just to lay out the agenda, we're going to, uh, do a down and dirty non-Micah produced release. So sorry, Micah, we're just going to jump into this, uh, and, uh, and get it out there today. Uh, it is December 28th and, uh, for your listening pleasure, uh, and we're going to talk quickly about, um, uh, a couple, we're each going to contribute our favorite holiday songs in an abbreviated fashion, uh, two from each of us. Uh, I'm not worried we're going to overlap. We're just going to wing it. And then we're going to talk up, we're each going to mention five albums that we totally dug in 2020. Um, that's the agenda for today. Uh, and, and it's a, an aggressive holiday agenda, but I feel like it's important. And I think the listeners need to know. Uh, before I turn over the floor to the distinguished representative from the state of California, that uh, that Ski and I have been doing top 10 album reviews for a couple of decades now, maybe like uh, I was somewhere since like the late 90s, right, where we would trade our lists of like yeah. what the 10 best records were. That's kind of the genesis a little bit of the podcast in general is that one of our, you know, we've been having musical discussions i don't want to even say arguments because we agree quite a bit uh but we've been having our musical argument for a long time and and it involved end of year you know emails back and forth waiting for the reveal of the 10 best the 10 best albums of the year as by ski as and as by me so uh we are doing a uh, a bit of a lower key version of it in that we're each going to contribute five and I'm not even going to call it the five best. I'm just going to call it the ones that ones of note that I loved. And that that's the way I'm going to frame it. And I look forward to skis later on in this broadcast as well. But ski just wanted to uh, to, you know, bring bring us bring us an, on the agenda train early. And then uh, we can get back to talking about train that I, you know, I didn't realize that train was from California. I assumed they were from northern Virginia with well, the fandom that's around here of that. <laughs> Well, I'll say quickly about them, you know, what they did lose serious points with me. I mean, just in general, I mean, like their their music is not 
I can't believe they had any points. I can't believe they had any points. Well, you know, I mean, you write a song called Save Me San Francisco and you're an expat in D.C. and probably will be, you know, and I'm happy with that. But, yeah, I miss my hometown. So you write a song like Save Me San Francisco. I'm on board with it. Okay, I'll buy it and I'll listen to it and it'll make me think (laughs) of my hometown. But the lead singer made a comment where in 2010, when the Giants were making their glorious first World Series run. Um, that would be clo- the San Francisco the, baseball Your Giants. San Francisco Giants. And they closed it baseball out in, Giants. in baseball Texas. Giants. They closed it out in Texas in, in five games. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, if Texas had pulled out game five, which, of course, they weren't going to do because Timmy was on fire, struck out 10, went eight innings, and Brian Wilson closed it out. Um, but if it had gone to game six, back to San Francisco, I guess the lead singer of Train was going to do the national anthem. He made a comment of like, oh, I was just kind of bummed that, you know, they won in Texas because I was going to sing, the, you know, the national anthem in San Francisco. And then, you know, I, I yelled at a colleague in Feinstein's <laughs> office at the time who made a similar comment that like, oh, my, I think my friend has tickets to game six. He hopes they lose tonight. And I just let her have it. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Um, and especially for a franchise that hadn't yet won in the city. So anyway, I, you know, I'm not a train fan. They have that one song that, you know, look, it's just, it makes me think of my hometown. But um, yeah, he lost several points uh, in that department by making an idiotic comment like that. You win where you win and you celebrate where you celebrate. Um, and if that means in Texas, that means in Texas. So anyway. I, I, mean, I could see from, as, as an asshole Yankee fan, I could see the point of being, uh, of having a con, uh, a moment like that where you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I'd really, you know, I want to be able to see it in person. So I hope they don't clinch it tonight. If you're spoiled with titles, like, like, right, right. exactly. Like, That's exactly like, right. Like, I, like, like, I will, not that we were going to talk about baseball, but we're going to talk about baseball. Um, is that, you know, like, I would never make that statement now, even as a, as a spoiled Yankee fan, you know, we haven't won in, it's going to be 12 years if we're lucky, if we're lucky and we get to win in 21. Like it will have been 12 years between championships. You know, uh, people, people, you rip me all you want. That's fine. But like, I hear Red Sox fans talking about things like that, where they're like, ah, well, we really want to win it at home and clinch it at home. That's when you're good enough or when you've won frequently enough, you have, unfortunately, you get the right to say obnoxious shit like that. You don't get to do that if you're the Giants in before they won in 2010. Or if you were the Texas Rangers, who have still never won. Right. Because the following year, they should have won, and they blew it to the most infuriating franchise in professional sports, the St. Louis Cardinals, who can never do anything when I need them to, but yet always mess up everything else for everyone else and win when no one can. Like, I, it's, a beautiful, it's, a, it's a beautiful ballpark. Uh, uh, well, the old one was a beautiful ballpark. I want to go to the new one. And I know they're great fans, but you know what? The team itself just always seems to gum up the works when I need them to beat Boston, for example. <laughs> That's right. That's right. No, and like in 2010, it had been 56 years. The Giants had never won in San Francisco. Their last title was when they were still in New York. So at that point, and, and, you, and when you ha- go through 2002 and being up 5 nothing after 7, 5-3 after, sorry, 5-0 five, five after 6, 5-3 after 7. I mean, in a clinching game that they lost and they lost game seven. When you go through that, you, it, it doesn't matter where. I mean, they could have won it, you know. On the um, moon. In the right. moon, right. Or, you know, in, uh, over the Atlantic. I, I Oakland. Care. What if they wanted sure. Oakland? You're Even trying better. to. Oh, my gosh. I'd love to. I'd lo- I want to knock out. 
I want to beat the Dodgers for the pennant in LA, and then I want to beat sweep Oakland and finish them off in Oakland. That would be well. What glorious. if you had to play? What if for whatever reason oh. you had to beat the Texas Rangers in Oakland, and you'd celebrate Fine. in Oakland? Great. Fine. Okay. Sure. Great. <laughs> wherever. Well, yeah, wherever. <laughs> wherever. So, but, All right. This has nothing to yeah. do with what this podcast is about, and we we are not editing it, so we are literally torturing people who so, are okay. tuning in for music. So but. I just had to knock the train, train lead singer for his comments. Yes. But getting back to, you know, quickly your point. Um, so for Christmas this year, I asked for and received a, a CD player for our kitchen. I still collect CDs. Uh, I don't say I still collect. I collected a ton of CDs. I'm back into collecting vinyl uh, records. But I just wanted something to, you know, bring up a CD into the kitchen and play it. And sure, I can use my phone and connect to the Bluetooth speaker. But I just wanted a player. And with that CD player came a cassette deck. And so I saw that and I pulled out a, um, my lone copy of one of our radio shows from when we were in college and started playing it. And what I loved about it is like, this is 25 years ago. This is 1996, um, coming up on 25 years. It sounded like our podcast now uh, in a lot of ways. And there were just elements of what this the is. same conversation. 20, yeah, it's just like 20 <laughs> years ago. You know, the battle of the bands, Aerosmith and Oasis. And at that time, I don't think I was as big an Aerosmith fan as I am now, but it's still kind of fun to hear that and listen to those arguments. Um, me talking about the Pixies and Trump Lamone and playing UMass. I, it was just, it was a joy. And so that was just, it just made me think like, this is what, what makes this podcast so fun. And then like the top 10 list did come after college and we did those for years and i don't think i've but i don't think i've formally published one since probably since ruthie was born my daughter 10 years ago and a part of it is yeah you know getting married having kids but it's also true that you know at some point i did stop collecting physical albums and so i yeah. went on to buying albums on itunes and so i'd have like an itunes library but just it didn't feel the same there's something about holding an album in your hands and feeling connected to it and feeling a part of it that you know, wireless technology just it just can't cover. And so once I started buying records again and had a system of discovering new music, um, it made all the sense in the world. And so this year I am in a first time going to, for 10 years, publish a top 10 list. And for this podcast, I have five albums that, you know, I think are solid that, you know, I think are going to last. And those are the ones that, that I'll collect. And so what I do is I assemble the top 10 list and then they'll take a look at it and say, okay, I want to buy, you know, these five albums. I want to support these bands with these singers. Um, and we'll share that with you today. So. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. But we were in this conversation that of course won't come out until March or April uh, on one <laughs> of our future episodes. <laughs> um, hopefully it'll come out faster than that. Um, but uh, on one of our future episodes, we were talking about our, uh, about, Ski's love for Christmas music, which, you know, yes. after 25 years, it shocked me still. You still have the power to surprise. Uh, I was not I was not thinking that you were going to jump right into that. You that you were the guy or the, the person that is like the first the first minute of uh, the day after Thanksgiving or the Friday after Thanksgiving that you're cranking up Christmas tunes right off yeah. the bat. Uh, I thought that was awesome. That was an awesome reveal, uh, uh, you know. Yeah. Just listeners, just remember, you may think you know someone. You may think you know someone, and then they still will have the power to surprise you uh, with some random knowledge because it just never came up. Yeah. Um, so, Ski, uh, we're each going to do two quick, very quick holiday Christmas covers. 
Um, I've been listening to um, uh, uh, way more Christmas music than I ever normally do. I think it, I think it has everything to do with being completely focused on nothing else other than being at home decorating our new house for Christmas and all of that stuff. So, I mean, I've been in more of a Christmas music spirit than I've ever been. Also, my wife and I did not travel this year for Christmas for like the, for literally the first time since we gotten together. Um, so we've never even had a Christmas at home with our own tree, like yeah. at Christmas time, like we'd set up the tree and we'd put some presents underneath it. And sometimes we'd open them when we came back from our travels. And sometimes we would take it with us kind of depends on what was going on, but we've never woken up Christmas morning together in our own house. This is a first for us. Um, yep. and that's weird to say after seven years, but it's, this was a first and it was wonderful. Uh, so, so, uh, the Christmas music has been pumping a lot and I put together a, a very special Christmas platter playlist that is available on Spotify. Uh, and I will be pumping, uh, on social media today. So if you're feeling up for it and you just are want to follow us on Spotify, just hit it. It's not sequenced, but just hit shuffle on it. And it's got a bunch of random Christmas covers because, that's that that's what is fun about it right now for me is like oh right yeah there's this you know christmas classic that everybody knows but it's reinterpreted in some way um and this is how it's reinterpreted so what give me your one of your absolute top like christmas songs so uh, it starts really with me and the crooners um and so the christmas music of uh that era the the frank sinatra's the tony bennett's the perry cuomo's um, and Andy Williams is up there too. And so the one that I play, the first song that I always play after we get our Christmas tree, we're riding back to our house. It's Andy Williams. It's the most wonderful time of the year and has everything that I love about that era, that style of Christmas music, you know, the horns and the, the big voice and, you know, the, the, the choir doing the backing vocals. And, and so the see my daughter who, who's now 10 and has heard this probably the first day when we get the Christmas tree, you know, since she can remember, you know, start singing along with me. <laughs> and even before we got the tree, because she, she knew she knew that was coming. She knew this is coming. It's the most wonderful time of the year. You know, she just she knew. And and then the backing goes, ah, so that's what I always start off with. And that to me is like the kickoff of Christmas uh, and Christmas season. And I know this year people were wanted to start Christmas a little early, but I held firm like I wasn't going to play Christmas music until we got the tree, was strapped to our car and, you know, we're driving back uh, to the house. So Andy Williams, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Wow. Ski's coming in hot. That's good. I like that. I like that. I'm going to go um, with my first pick of, of the uh, Christmas musts. Um, a thing that I did when I was growing up uh, was watch a hell of a lot of the Muppets. I mean, <laughs> yes. like, there yes. is there is Amen. nothing there is nothing better to me than big floppy fuzzy puppets like singing Christmas stuff. Nothing. There's nothing better than that. I mean, like whether we're talking about Emmett Otter's Jugman Christmas, which I could do like a multiple podcasts on the genius <laughs> yeah, of that right. of that particular <laughs> 45 minute nonstop Jim Henson special from 1978. Um, could do that. Could do that forever. Not going to do that this time. Um, we spent uh, our Christmas Eve watching um, the John Denver and the Muppets Christmas special, uh, which we, you know, shot through YouTube onto our television and watched that, uh, which was awesome because it's awesome. 
Uh, and, you know, we, we will watch Muppets Christmas Carol before it's all said and done. I'm not as crazy about that one, but it's still Muppets and still get some right. excellent Waldorf and Statler as uh, Marley and Marley, which is really, you know, great casting. I mean, just great casting. Um, but the, you know, the album, the physical album that my mother got us when we were kids is John Denver and the Muppets, uh, which is a classic. I think it was 78 or 79. Still have that vinyl. We played it this week. Um, and I will go down fighting anyone uh, who dares to argue that the greatest version of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas is by Rolf the Dog and John Denver. Wow. It is, it is not even close. Um, it is beautiful. It is a beautiful version of that song because John Denver has that that tenor, you know, like literally he's that tenor voice. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it starts off with Rolf, you know, doing his Rolf, the dog thing. Like he's playing the piano <laughs> and he's got right. that and it's Jim Henson as Rolf. Right. And he's like, have yourself a merry little Christmas. And it's that gruff thing. And it's like, and it's like from now on, our troubles will be out of sight. Do, 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 do. And then he hands it over to John and he's like, John and then John comes in and sings like a professional singer right and it's it's a beautiful moment and on the video itself too it's beautiful because Ralph and John are on a bare stage they're it's like because the whole Muppet Show thing is that you know they're putting together a variety show on a stage it probably led me to be a producer in the first place that whole like like let's put on a show we're a bunch of Muppets like I, you know I've always been a Muppet I'm going to continue to be a Muppet when I'm a father I'm going to be a Muppet a, a physical human Muppet for the baby right like that's what's <laughs> gonna happen right so like I, I, like all of this this hits like every touch point of like a Muppet fan a theater person like it's all of that like put together um and it's and it's just a beautiful simple minute 45 or two minutes and have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas by Ralph the Dog and John Denver is the best version of that song that has ever been. So there wow. it is. Yeah, going up against Nat King Cole, going up against Tony Bennett, going yep. up against countless others. I, countless. It's your pick. It's, it's your my pick. pick. It's my pick. <laughs> and it's the best. It's the best. It's, I think it's the best because it, 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 I don't, I mean, I know it can be uh, arranged as a duet. I mean, obviously it can be, although, you know, but right. like, there's something uh, just pure-ish about that, right? I, yeah, sure. It was for a Muppet TV special. But, like, they could have picked any Muppet to go with John Denver, right? Like, it could have been any different. Like, it could have been John Denver and Piggy. It could have been John Denver and sure. Gonzo. It could have been, like, or Scooter. Like, I mean, like, you know, they're all over that album, you know? Like, it could have been Kermit. Like, it could have been Kermit saying, have yourself a Merry Little Christmas by himself with a banjo, right? Like, they could have gone that direction. They didn't. They went with this they went with a supporting character, a supporting, a classic supporting character, a supporting Muppet, best supporting Muppet and John Denver. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, so, so I think that's where it gives me extra points. Like it's not knocking the, the, it's not knocking the canon. It's just the best version of the song. And I stand by it. That bold call. That's a bold call, Pete, but I like it. I like it. I'm a huge Muppets fan. Um, well, Richie yeah, is starting to get into the Muppets. <laughs> oh, and good. So, yeah, I, I think that, that, that I'm going to have to dig that one up for him and, and see how that goes. So that, that's awesome. That might, it might be. It also, I mean, listen, uh, everyone's got their own thing. It, it may be watching it, like like seeing it first and then listening to yeah, it. Yeah, you have to, right. I feel, like, I feel like the context, I feel like there is added context. I mean, I certainly visualize them on this bare stage 
with like Rolf like playing. And you know, Jim Henson doesn't ha isn't a vocalist, you know, like he's a puppeteer who sings. And like, and so I think that the fragility of some of an imperfect voice doing that with a professional and knowing that it's a Muppet playing, that's a Muppet yeah. dog playing a piano. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, yeah there it is. So What's your next? What's your next? My second one. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, when Christmas carols and Christmas songs, I first think of the crooners uh, first and foremost. But more recently, what I've also been turning to is the Motown uh, era. And there's mm. so many that you can, you know, pick from, from Smokey Robinson to, you know, Stevie Wonder. I was tempted to go with a Stevie Wonder song. But the one that I keep listening to, and I posted it at the beginning of this Christmas season on Facebook, which is like every year I, I'm coming back to it. And every year it, it rises on my list of favorite Christmas songs. And it's one of the best parts about it is like, I would listen to it year round. It's Donny Hathaway this Christmas. And mm -hmm. it just has that, that soulful sound. It has, you know, the horns, but you know, Memphis horns. And um, as one of my favorite lines, which I just discovered this year, you know, that he, cause he does this run where I wasn't quite sure what he was saying, but it's, he just says, shake a hand, shake a hand, shake a hand now. And I just, I love that, that thought of I mean, the Christmas <laughs> season, like just, just shake someone's hand, Merry Christmas, shake someone's hand. And it's, but it, it's just a beautiful, gorgeous, um, soulful song uh, that, you know, I would listen to, you know, year round if, if I could, but I, you know, I don't allow myself to do that. <laughs> but, and I don't know much else about Donny Hathaway, like what else, you know, what, you know, recordings and songs he did outside of, uh, this mm -hmm. Christmas song, but it's just perfect and gorgeous. Um, and just everything I love about that, that Motown uh, sound. So Donnie Hathaway, This Christmas. So for people that might not know that song, and I know it too, and it has gotten into my rotation a lot hotter this year also, I, maybe it's just a weird quirk of, you know, being home and listening to stuff, but it's it, it's come on a lot more. I, th I think it's used in a lot of uh, Hallmark and Lifetime uh, I think that's right. movies as yeah, well. Yeah, I think that's right, yeah. And it's been covered a lot. And it's an R&B classic. I mean, like, I mean, for, like, no question about it. But sing a little bit of it, Ski, so that people know what, what it is. Because, like, like, by the title, a lot of the, one of the things I find that I struggle with a bit with Christmas titles is a lot of them sound the same because you got to use Christmas in the title and there's only so much you can do, you know? It's like, so, what, like, so this Christmas by title and, and, and singer yeah, yeah, there's probably like a, a ton of Christmas songs that are called This Christmas. So, hang all the mistletoe, I'm going to get to know you better. This, this Christmas. Christmas. And as we trim the tree, how much fun it's going to be together. <laughs> this Christmas. Christmas. Right. And then it gets a little higher that I don't think I get. <laughs> Fireside blazing bright, we're you... caroling through there you the go. So, yeah, I mean, I'm right. My and then, like I said, that one line, which I for years I had no idea what he was saying, but it's shake a hand, shake a hand, shake a hand now. And she's like, Yeah, I am gonna shake your hand. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. But see, when you do that, all I think of is shake it down, shake it down now, right? Shake it down now, which is shake it, and that's not the same song. Uh, but no. it, it is also in the 70s, although in a COVID world, we can't shake a hand now. Uh, we uh, we, not, not something we look forward to doing again, although many would argue that uh, this you know, year should 
uh, do away with the handshake altogether. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I myself look forward to uh, shake a hand, shake a hand, shake a hand now. And yeah. Ruthie, of course, discovered this song because she's a fan of the high school musical, uh, oh. the musical, the series uh, show, and mm. uh, the kids okay. uh, sing this one. Um, which, of course, when I, when something like this happens, I point out to her that um, it's not the original; it's a cover. Um, hey, so that's, I appreciate yeah. every parent should do that kind of music education mm-hmm. with their children. If yep. you are old like us and have children like some of us and some of us will, this is important. Like this yeah. is important. Uh, it's important. Critical. That it really is because, uh, uh, you know, without naming names, I know there are some people that will just put on because it's so easy and it feels so free. You put on either satellite radio or a playlist and people don't care. They don't care who sang the original. They don't, it doesn't matter to them. It's like, oh, it's just a song. What difference does it make? I'm here to right. tell you, it makes a huge difference. I watch a lot of music documentaries. I look, I, I, I care about publishing rights for artists because it's like one of the few ways that they can make any money, right? Like if you wrote the song, like if you wrote the song, you're getting the money. And like, yeah. because it's going to get played, you're getting those royalties. And, and that allows artists to have the, the financial wherewithal to make more music or to write more music. And you don't get it. You, I mean, you won't get the music. People think the music just comes out of the sky that like people are like, you know, hanging around and like, you know, I love Emmett Otter, but you know, that mother of pearl inlay guitar that Emmett wanted for Christmas was, was $50, you know, like that was, you know, that would be all the prize money from the, from the talent contest to get like, Guitars aren't cheap, people, is what I'm saying. Nope. It, music instruments are not cheap. Lessons for musical instruments are not cheap. Learning how to write music is not... Th- there are some preternaturally gifted people that know how to do that, but it's not free. And 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 I say that uh, not to say... not uh, Obviously, support your local artists and support the musicians that you like, and it's less... And certainly... It's not all about, you know, providing the labels and the people that do the signing and promotion, you know, uh, a comfortable living. Although as an agent, I still sympathize with them more than most people would. But, right. uh, but, but really, like the, the, point of, the point of telling your kids who wrote it is not just so they can win music trivia at a bar at some point, although that's good too. Um, it, the point is, is that it's music, it's people's labor of love to write something to make it performable by multiple artists, to have it interpreted by multiple artists, and eventually for them to get that royalty money so that they will have a future for their children who might want to write songs and play them. And that is my emotional plea to please Amen. just tell your kids who wrote the songs first. Who wrote the songs first? Make sure you tell them that it wasn't S Club 7. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, so my other pick is hard. It's very difficult to uh, determine, um, but I think I'm gonna go with my original pick. Uh, I almost ver- uh, almost waffled and changed it to two other ones, which I'll mention quickly at the end of, the, of, of our little holiday recap. But it's impossible not to do the best song that sounds like Blondie that isn't by Blondie at Christmas. Wow. And th- that song is Christmas rapping by the yes. Waitresses. Amen. Uh, God bless you, sir. I, I, I feel that we would be doing our, our limited fan base an incredible disservice to not mention the best Christmas jam, um, the best new wave Christmas jam 
that you think is done by Blondie or possibly by the Pretenders or something else that we talk about all the time. But it is um, it is a song title that you may not that you know you know this song. Everyone knows this song um, because it's fantastic. There's also horns in it, um, and it's from the early '80s, and it's from a band out of Ohio um, called the Waitresses. And this was their biggest hit by far. Every year, Christmas rapping comes on, and you and every year everyone assumes that it's Blondie, and it's an, <laughs> so. Um, but it's uh, it's a great it's a great story about. Um, a woman who, you know, meets a guy and they think they've got a connection and then they lose touch for like a whole year. And then, uh, and, it, and basically the story of the song is that she goes through the whole year, you know, talking about things that went on that year. And like, like, Oh, this guy is like in the back of her mind, but she hasn't seen him. And this, that, the other thing, and these other things happened. And then at the end of it, she runs into him again at Christmas time. And then they have like a happy new year together. And it's a cute little romance that takes up three minutes and 30 seconds. And it's the one that goes. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. But I think I'll have one this year. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And then it's got this like. You know it. So you know the song. Everyone knows the song. Everyone thinks it's Blondie. It's the waitresses. Give them some royalty money. Listen to the track on Spotify a million times in a row. It's one of the songs that I think I discovered just by, yeah, playing a random satellite radio Christmas channel. And and I'm sure I heard it before, but that's when I really thought, my goodness, this is so good. And when I put on, like I started putting together my first really you know, massive Christmas playlist, this was uh, this is the concluding track uh, to the, the 2016 Christmas uh, playlist. And God, it just, it's so good. It's in, it just encapsulates that era to a T. Um, and it's a Christmas song. And it's, yeah, wrapping paper, the waitresses, go get it. And it's a Christmas song that is not a traditional Christmas song either. Like in the no, sense of exactly. like, it's not yeah. like, you're not singing O Tannenbaum. Like it's not that, you know, like it's, it's, it's fun. It's upbeat. It's, it's, it's one you play at a party. You play it at any party, even like an office party. Like a good office party would play it more than once. Um, but uh, I also discovered this season, and I sent it around in a group text to some people, uh, a really questionable cover of Christmas wrapping done by uh, the whatever the, the latest non-Victoria uh, uh, incarnation of the Spice Girls uh, with no Victoria Beckham <laughs> covering Christmas wrapping. Uh, and uh, it, it's not good, but I, I, I don't turn it off. So... It's also on the Spotify playlist. If you want to hear the, the Spice Girls covering the waitresses, it's on there. And just for the record, all true Spice Girl fans know that her name is Posh Spice, not Victoria Beckham. So let's just, you know, let's just, you know. I've been outed. Spade here. I have been outed. <laughs> I have been outed. Despite the fact that I have seen the Spice Girls in concert, which yes, I don't know. I don't know if you can say the same. No, I, I cannot. No, I cannot. Nope. I can also say the tickets were free. Um, <laughs> but nice. that was a Love weird it. experience, Alex. Uh, anyway, um, I, I want to bring up two other ones that almost made the cut for me. And, and if you've got anyone you want to throw on there, yeah. um, like I said, if you want to look it up, a very special Christmas platter is a playlist that's on the Sherman and Ski Spotify list. And I gotta say, like, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting more from everyone here. I, I expect more follows. I do. I, I, I'll do better. I'll do better. But we will please follow us. 
I'll be I'll pander. It's Christmas. I'm begging. Please follow us, please. <laughs> um, but it's on there, uh, and it's a it's a it's a very long Christmas mix. It's like hours. But if you uh, don't have anything else to do and you want to hit shuffle and put it on uh, put it on your speakers at home, please do so. Uh, two things. One, I nearly went with one of the greatest. Also, I wouldn't say non traditional, but not a um, not a cover, uh, not not a holiday cover, an original. But it's been covered a lot after it was written because it's brilliant. Is Last Christmas by Wham. Um, mm-hmm. uh, George Michael wrote all of it, played all of the instruments on it. He produced it. He uh, and he played all the so the, good. the tracks, and he wrote it. And it was four years ago on Christmas Day that George Michael had killed himself, um, which is a sad anniversary. Uh, and his uh, ex-partner was very distraught this past Christmas about it, uh, was trying to break back into their house. Uh, very, th- that's extremely current information. Um, it's really sad how uh, it really, it really is sad. And the guy was very depressed. And for someone who was insanely talented uh, and, and struggled so much with coming out, uh, that it really hurt him psychologically and, and drove him to drove him to not being comfortable. Um, he could write a hell of a song. Like George Michael could write a hell of a song. He was not just like a very very beautiful man. He could really write. And last and that's proven by Last Christmas being covered in so many places that there's lots of people that that may or may not know that it's either George Michael or Wham or certainly if they do know that they did it. They don't know that George Michael wrote it. That's it's just a gorgeous, beautiful song. I couldn't agree with you more. That's definitely in my top twenty um, Christmas songs. And um, yeah, I mean, it lingers. It stays with you. There's the ache in you know Christmas and wanting to be with somebody that's just not there. Um, yeah, I, that, that's that's one of my top ones as well. So that one, and I also just want to give a shout out to Lake Street Dive, which is a great, great band. Um, with uh, two men and two women in it. Uh, Rachel is the lead singer, and she is uh, she's got this amazing voice. And they do this awesome, awesome cover of "I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas." It's also on the playlist. Uh, it's super fun. Uh, that's a that's an interesting song uh, that that is a kind of a novelty song. Uh, and they do a very jaunty, New Orleansy, jazzy, horn centered version of this kind of goofy classic i want a hippopotamus for christmas cover by lake street dive it's uh it's terrific so i will give uh, a couple more one that almost made the cut was stevie wonder i mentioned him someday mm-hmm. at christmas is right up there with donny hathaway's this christmas in terms of that just that motown sound um someday at christmas just a gorgeous uh, Stevie Wonder song. The other one, of course, for me, being a massive U2 fan, as I love their ah. cover, and I'll say it, um, it's Christmas Baby, Please Come It's home. awesome. Um, it's awesome. <laughs> so I love that song. It is a cover. You know, I encourage you also to reach out to, to Darlene Love, uh, who did that for years, I think, on, on Letterman, um, to close out like a Letterman uh, late night mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's up there. And then I'm going to give a shout out to Ruthie and my daughter for also, um, Kelly Clarkson, Underneath the Tree. Ooh. Uh, it's a Kelly Clarkson track, a newer song, of course, but I tell you, say, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> so I'm going to give a shout out to my girl Kelly. Underneath uh, the underneath, Tree. Oh, underneath the Tree. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll add there it to, go. I'll put it on, I'm putting it on the playlist literally right now. Go. How about that? Nice. Thanks, Ruthie. There you go. 
There you go. So thus ends the Christmas portion, then launching into the best of. Um, Everyone's got a best of list. Uh, I love lists. I've always loved lists since I was like a little kid. I love like lists and maps and other like uh, objects of organization. Um, (laughs) It's like just a thing that that I've always dug. Uh, I dug deep into uh, all of the end of year lists, Consequence of Sound, Pitchfork, uh, what are the other ones? I think NPR. Uh, so I kind of did the flaming liberals like dive into uh, best of collections of music to make sure that I hadn't missed anything. But because of the pandemic, I was actually kind of up to date for the first time in like a long time uh, about stuff that had come out and stuff that I really dug anyway. At, a lot of it is critically acclaimed uh, and a couple of, of under the radar ones. So uh, so Ski and I have, or we're not surprising each other with almost all of these albums. Uh, in terms of the titles, but we don't know what we're going to say about these end of the years. So I want to give Ski uh, to, to the, the leadoff position. Uh, pick one of your top five um, 2020 albums and tell me a little bit why, uh, talk, some, talk me into it, why we, why we should give it a shot, why we should give it a spin. So the first one, I mean, speaking of Josh loving all things Jersey, I just found out today that the band my top pick is actually from a New Jersey formed rock band, Neptune, New Jersey. I don't know if Sherman's familiar. Uh, yes, it's with next, where Neptune. Yeah, yes, yes, I'm familiar with Neptune. It's next door to Asbury Park, where I got married. Yes, I am. Very, very so familiar. even 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 better than that. <laughs> so this is the the Atomic Bitchwax. And so years ago, I had a I had a, a band in my top ten called Angus Khan. And Sherman's comment, you know, to my top ten list, including that in there, was like. How could you not tell me that you had discovered a band called Angus Khan? <laughs> How could you not tell me this? And, and when I mentioned Atomic Bitchwax, I think you said something similar, like Identical. I'm I'm in, I'm bored. Identical. Yeah. Identical. And and so I and the reason why I picked this one is like I've been leaning in the direction, and Sherman knows this well, that you know, where I tend to lean is like female driven uh in, indie rock. Um, and especially over the past couple of years with Hatchy, uh Snail Mail. Um, I've gone in sort of leaning in that direction, the best, uh, of course. Um, but the, you're always, I'm always just looking for something, you know, it, it's hard to find, uh, I think male driven rock and it's hard to find male driven hard rock, uh, these days. And so when it came across the atomic bitch wax and they put out several albums, so I'm just coming, you know, around to them. They were formed in, in 92. They've been putting out records for over 20 years, some lineup changes, but I'm only coming to them now, but it, it just, for me, it fit the year. It fit the times I needed some, I needed some metal. I just need, I wanted some pure unvarnished metal um, evoking the best of Judas Priest, evoking the best of early Metallica, the godfathers of metal, Black Sabbath, rift heavy hard rock, which, and dare I say has, and this is something I never thought I would mention on, you know, a top pick for an album on a podcast, but it has a progressive element to it, you know, where they do, their songs do go on, um, you know, for a few more than the standard uh, two to three minute uh, pop song, but it's just, it's riff heavy uh, metal um, that, you know, it gives you everything that you'd want uh, in a hard rock song in a metal band. And it just, for me at least is what I've been looking for and yearning for, um, because it, traditionally, I think a lot of bands that try to capture that sound, it just it comes in, it, in a mid-tempo plotting 
mess um, and almost uh, almost like a, a bro metal uh, outfit that just misses the mark. But these guys get it right. Uh, you know, the, the early priest, the early Metallica, the Black Sabbath. Um, and it just fit the times for me. I needed that rift heavy uh, rock. The progressive element has surprised me the most that I would be okay with and would um, enjoy. Um, but it's uh, sustained in that in that structure of the heavy drums, the heavy bass, the heavy guitar riffs. Uh, so for me, it works. So the Atomic Bitch Wax is the band. Scorpio uh, is the album. Scorpio. It's, it's my top album of the year. It's your top album of the year is Scorpio by the Atomic Bitch Wax out of Neptune, New Jersey. Yes, sir. See, see, th this is what I was saying earlier in the podcast. It, it's like, it's like I've known you for how long and you still managed to surprise me, my friend. You still managed to surprise yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see an early, uh, like a formed in 1992 metal band from New Jersey topping your best, your best album of 2020 list. I didn't see that coming. Uh, and yeah. now I got to listen to it. So, I mean, that, that sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, no, I, I just think it's like, and like I said, I've been, I've been leaning in the direction of the, the, the female driven bands and, and they're still in my top, I'll, I have those in my top five, my top 10, don't get me wrong. But this was so refreshing in a lot of ways because of the time and the year that we've had. And sometimes you just need some metal. You need, you need a kick in the ass like that, but it's, it's so hard to do and it's so hard uh, to get right, um, but they get it right. And now I want to dig in back into the rest of their catalog. And it also reminds me of a band, like the last time I was doing a top 10 list, uh, The Sword, who was at ACL when you and I went there. Mm -hmm. uh, we missed them during that, but I still picked up the album afterwards. And it's very similar to um, the Atomic Bitch Wax, that just riffed heavy um, metal. Um, and so it, it fit the times and fit the year. Um, and, uh, I, it's, it's on its way. I just, <laughs> I got a gift certificate to Abiba records for my sister for Christmas nice. and atomic bitchwack Scorpio is, uh, was shipped, uh, this morning. God bless. So, um, God bless. Yeah, looking forward to That's it. That's great. That's awesome. I think, I think I want to pivot to, uh, pivot the aggression. I think I'm going to key off of your mention of <laughs> aggression. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, I, I was I was thinking about pivoting to Jersey because that will come up later, but instead I'm going to pivot to aggression. Um, I think my favorite aggressive album of the year, and probably my favorite album. I, I, you know what? I don't even think pro probably my favorite album of the year is by Run the Jewels. Um, mm -hmm. Run the Jewels four. Uh, I did claim that early in our text chain back and forth uh, uh, because it's the one record that I that that I channel my aggression listening to. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, it, it, it is a, a rap duo that we, that Ski and I actually did see uh, together yeah. uh, at Governor's Ball in New York, I think at 16, um, to 16 or 15, uh, after they came out with Run the Jewels 2. I had never seen them before. I didn't, wasn't familiar with any of their albums, although I did know who LP was and Killer Mike were separately, but they are kind of a super duo that um, LP is from New York City, uh, Killer Mike is from Atlanta. Um, Killer Mike is uh, is a person I would vote for if he was <laughs> running for political office. Um, he is so he's so intelligent, uh, and he knows he knows how the system is screwed up, uh, and he knows how he wants to fix it. and And they rap about it together, and they're angry. 
And they've been angry. And they've been saying that the system is broken. They've been saying through their music, they have been saying that, that, that white people are privileged and that black people are disenfranchised and that the system is broken. And they have been saying that for years. And they have been saying it in a way that gets through to a dim head like myself. Like it, it, they, mm-hmm. they, they put it in a way that I get it. They, you know, they're like best friends with Zach De La Roca from Rage Against the Machine. He gets on some of the stuff. They, they've got uh, Pharrell Williams guesting on some, some of the stuff. They've got um, uh, Josh from uh, Queens of the Stone Age and Mavis Staples on the same track on one of their one of their album one of their uh tracks on run the jewels four um it is yeah. a statement it is an embarrassment that the grammys did not nominate it for album of the year that's an embarrassment you should all be ashamed of yourselves for that um they the, this album is unbelievable um from start to finish it's also not a long album it's like 45 minutes uh maybe 48 um, you can stream it like anywhere. They give away all of their music for free, but obviously they sell it as well. Uh, it goes to, they're a terrific duo. They've got this great, the, the best rap duos don't, don't have the same, uh, timber in their voices, right? Like you've got one guy that mm-hmm. has like, 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 or trios, like, or Beastie Boys, whatever. Like they, they sound different when they get on the microphone. Absolutely. Like, so you want that like peanut butter meets my chocolate kind of thing. They do that perfect. Uh, it's agit prop rap uh it's all political it's all like rewindable so that you you should really pay attention and the and the music behind it it's it it put it pulls all these elements together it pulls elements from rock but it absolutely pulls um it uh it it, you know it's got it's hip-hop beats i mean it's not a it put it blends everything perfect it really does um so I, I, I don't I don't think you have to say that oh I don't listen to hip hop so I'm not gonna check this out bullshit listen to it like don't like I don't want to hear that like I, I don't want to hear that if anyone if you like any punk records you'll you should listen to this record if you like if you like music with message you should listen to this record and really hear it like hear the hear the lyrics hear what's being said hear why it's important yeah the n word's thrown around. Uh, I'm not saying listen to it with your kids necessarily, but your older kids, you should hear it. They should listen to it because they're going to be listening to rap anyway. And, and don't kid yourself, you know, like it's, there's, there's a time and place for this. Um, And maybe it's with headphones, but, but, but the time is now, (laughs) but the time is now, like this is a now record. This is a 2020 now record. This is a black lives matter record. It is important. It, 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 that's not going to solve all your problems, but it will make you think about stuff in very, very different ways. Um, and if you see Killer Mike on MSNBC, watch his segments. He's brilliant. He just founded a bank, a black-owned bank, um, to try to reverse the system so that you know uh, black-owned communities can keep keep money within the community uh, and 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 grow their own nest eggs, uh, which is one of the great great things that that this album helped me really put into focus for myself you, you know people can read it in books, but some people need it through their headphones, and I'm one of those people. And this album is stupendous yeah it's definitely in my top 20 list i don't know if it was going to crack the top 10 but i still have some you know uh ordering to do but for somebody that doesn't listen to a lot of hip-hop um and hasn't been to a lot of hip-hop shows if at all it's very urgent and compelling music and what set it off for me is seeing them at governor's ball and seeing them 
live, um, which has always been one of my issues sometimes with hip hop is just, I don't feel it translates well in a live setting, uh, but they did. And it is, as you said, the two different voices on the record. I think it's the stripped down nature of some of their songs. Um, and then the lyric quality is, you know, tremendous. And I loved your point about if you like the clash, you'll like this record. And I remember, you know, recently seeing the beastie boys documentary and they kept talking about the clash and the two seem like they're opposite musical genres, but there's so much that ties them together. It's a protest record. And run the jewels. It's is, a protest record. Yeah. Run the jewels is one of those bands that, that I think does that. And I'm only disappointed as much as I love the other albums on my list and love their acts on my list. Um, one of the things that just has kind of surprised me about this year, and maybe it's coming next, um, but just there should be more of this. And, you know, in troubling times, music should rise to the occasion. And instead, there's a lot of just filtered pop nonsense that um, is dominating the kids' listening preferences. And I say that, obviously, very full aware of the fact that I'm a 46-year-old and very out of touch with what the kids are are listening to. Um, but I'd hope that there would be more of this. And I think, yeah, not getting more recognition at the Grammys uh, is a miss, but hopefully, you know, some folks on this podcast will, will pick it up and listen to it. It's urgent, compelling um, music. So I heartily endorse your pick. Thank you, sir. You're next. So the next one that I is, and I kind of went back and forth about this one uh, quite a bit um, because, you know, I, I went one direction with the atomic pitch wax. And I thought, well, let me just pull it back to, again, where I've been trending um, for the past few years. Um, and it's this band, Eliza and the Delusionals. Um, and this is one of the funny things about music now for me. is like I have to look up again, um, you know, the proper name of the albums because I put them on playlists. I don't have a physical copy of it yet. Um, but it's, yeah, Eliza and the Delusionals. Um, and they're from Australia. Hey. Totally cut out. So you were in the middle. Of, you were in the middle of and the delusionals. And um, oh no! Yeah, so how much, you totally how much did out. you get? Or did you get nothing? We got like nothing. You said Eliza from the do uh, and the delusionals from Australia, and then it was like blank noise, nothing. Oh <laughs> so, no! <laughs> so, so sorry. Hit the rewind button. Tell, start start right from there. Start right from there. I'll figure out oh. how to edit it. <laughs> no, that's, that's oh, sorry. Okay, so yeah, Eliza and the Delusionals, and I just discovered today. Uh, excuse me, they're from Australia, and this is the kind of the funny thing about discovering um, music in, in, in this part of my life is, and you know, getting it from like honestly, like Apple Music, sending some suggestions every Friday and saying, "Hey, check out this this band." You just kind of start listening to it. Um, but you don't know the backstory of a band that you get from watching Kurt Loder MTV News every day and him giving you the scoop on your, your favorite new band. So um, Eliza and the Delusionals. And what I was going to so the and the album is Feel It, Feel it All and Nothing. Um, okay. And so, or maybe is that one of the songs too? Anyway, um, I'll get you <laughs> And this is the other thing, like I had to like double check and, and see what the, the name of the, the album is. But it's it's that female driven indie rock that I've been, you know, just trending towards over the past few years, um, but adds some anth anthems uh, to it. And so beautiful melodies, gorgeous voice. And then the chorus just, you know, they she explodes 
um, in the chorus. And it's just because of his full on anthems and just exists is one that I put on, um, you know, my 2020 playlist and it's one of my top songs of the year because it just, it tickles that YouTube funny bone that I have, you know, where you just okay. want a, a song to soar uh, in the chorus and makes me so excited to uh, actually see them uh, live and uh, see that, you know, that band perform uh, live in, in 2021, you know, whenever we can, I was going through, digging through their, their merch uh, today nice. just to see what they had available. And of course they have like their 2020 tour t-shirt that they weren't able to <laughs> do at all. <laughs> so, um, so I think it's called uh, it's the album, a state of living in an objective reality. And honestly, like I just, I had to look that up. That's right solid. Because, That's solid. But uh, so yeah, Eliza and the delusionals, um, you know, from Australia, from down under, um, gorgeous melodies, anthemic uh, choruses in one band that I, I just can't wait to, to see live. And if you want to just get, you know, the feel for them, it's uh, just exists. Uh, check it out on YouTube or check it out on our, on our Spotify playlist. So nice. Awesome. Awesome. Sorry that uh, our technological difficulties have gotten the better of us where all of a sudden you were probably in mid like, <laughs> midstream of like awesome rant and like got derailed by I mean, I sat there for like a minute hoping it was going to magically reappear while I'm listening to silence. And I was like, I, I we just got to we've got to move on and keep it rolling. So keep, uh, it rolling. keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. Um, so then I'm going to go. Well, so I'll, I'll tag off of that. You were talking about, you know, female driven, uh, female driven rock stuff. Uh, you know, uh, this is a folk rock uh, person who is making some incredible, emotional, raw music. She's been doing it for a few years. Uh, she's been very popular uh, anyway. Uh, and I really came around to it this year. Uh, my good friend Dustin has always been telling me to check out Phoebe Bridgers. Check out Phoebe Bridgers. Phoebe Bridgers has new good stuff. And some of it I've liked and some of it I've just kind of like, it's been on in the background. And it's like, I'm like, oh yeah, all right, okay. But um, she uh, dropped her album Punisher uh, in the spring of this year. Um, and it's... Uh, it's just flat out terrific. I think, I believe that she's actually been nominated for, uh, for by the Grammys for album of the year with this one. Oh um, yeah, I think, I think that's right. I, yeah. I think it is well-deserved. Uh, she is, uh, has incisive lyrics. It's just a very soft tone to her singing. It's very, it, it, it feels like you're listening to someone very fragile. Um, I, I feel like that, that hit me right at, at different points of, of feeling scared and quiet this year, uh, which I know are two things not normally associated with me talking, but uh, but sometimes I, I'm listening, and uh, and you know I've, I've been scared for the country uh, for uh, a variety of reasons. Uh, the virus, uh, very very tops on the list of being scared to go outside and uh, for 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 lots of things, and um, this is an introspective record that really kind of the lyrically will 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 make you think about it after you've stopped listening to it, which I think is always the mark of a great, uh, of, of a great lyricist. She, she can put things together. Well, it's very plaintive sounding, but the lyrics are sharp. Um, yeah. she sounds great. Punisher is a, is a great title. Cause it sounds like it should be a, a title by atomic atomic bitch wax, but it's by Phoebe Bridgers. Um, and, uh, and it, it's, uh, she's got songs like Chinese satellite where she talks about, She's wishing on a star, but it's probably a Chinese satellite. Like that's just kind of like ach aching poetry kind of thing. Um, yeah. Kyoto, <laughs> the Kyoto is a great <laughs> track. 
Um, uh, there's, um, it's, it's a wonderful record. It's, it's very, it's very soft and, uh, soft on the ears. Um, uh, but at the same time, it's, uh, it's, it's tremendous. It's a tremendous record. Uh, highly support it. And, uh, one of my picks is Phoebe Bridgers Punisher. It's one I'm going to have to dig into myself. And I think you've talked me into it because it's a name that I've heard um others like you know dustin you know to you others have mentioned that to me and i just haven't sat down and uh listened to it yet but uh you gave me the opening to do so and i will report back to you on a, on a future podcast of uh you are review. so welcome you yes, are thank so you. welcome thank you thank you <laughs> thank you thank you um okay so my turn for another one yeah absolutely go for it all right man uh so i'm gonna go back to uh, more of a harder rock edge, uh, and this is beach slang. Um, beach slang's out of Philadelphia, PA. Um, multiple lineup changes, but uh, James Alex is the is the key uh, driving force behind beach slang. And I don't know, just like with the Atomic Bitch Wax, I think it's so hard to make uh, this kind of uh, hard rock music. Although beach slang is in more of the replacements husker do uh vein uh of uh you know post-punk clash like inspired rock and roll but you also feel like you could you know swing on down to your local bar and they they could be like the local bar band um playing but minus you know huey lewis's pop sheen (laughs) to them Uh, but they just they strike me as like a, a bar band um but it's in the yeah the replacements mode and Husker do Bob Mold mode. Um, but so the album itself uh, is, and again, I had to look it up again now. The Deadbeat Bang of Heartbreak City uh, is the album. And I'm sorry, it, say that one more time with feeling. The Deadbeat Bang of Heartbreak City. So it just sounds like a, you know, a, a bar band uh, album Freaking title. A. What a Urgent. great album title. Oh I'm my so- God. Is that album title of the year? That is big bang of heartbreak city. It just might be. And you listen to it and, you know, they had the harder edge songs, but then they, 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 he pulls it back. Um, you know, they bring in the strings on a couple of the tracks. Um, really? And it has like a coda at the end of the, the album that harkens back to an earlier song of the album. And again, speaking of Eliza, the delusionals, you know, someone I want to see live, I really want to see beach slang live because you do get the sense that, yeah, this is the album that we put together, but, you know, recording and putting stuff on, on record is just getting in the way of us being awesome. And I can't wait to, to hear um, these songs live. Uh, Let It Ride, All the Kids in L.A., Bam, Rang, Rang, Tommy in the 80s, um, Stiff, Born to Raise Hell, love it. Uh, wow, Beachline. man. Wow. I, 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 I don't think I've ever listened to Beach Slang. I think they've been, like, on a ton of, like... Uh, festival lineup posters, and I don't think I've ever checked them out. Yeah, they think they, they, I discovered them with their last release before uh, this one, Everything Matters But No One Is Listening. Um, so I got into that record, um, and then this one came out, and I said, yeah, that's, that, that's going in the top five uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, that, you get the feeling like they're like early on that, that festival playlist, uh, festival lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, right. And this is why you should always, yeah, don't be afraid to check out those bands. You never know what you're going to discover. So, Beach Absolute Line. nominee for best album title of <laughs> 2020 
is the deadbeat bang of Heartbreak City. That is that's there you spectacular. Go. That's there uh, you go. I gotta check this out. I gotta check this out. It says on Wikipedia that associated acts include the Afghan Whigs. How how do you know how that is connected, or is that? Something... Uh, I was looking into that myself. I think they've used a, a drummer uh, from Afghan okay. Whigs, um, so it's been part of their lineup. So just reading through it, and again, it's, it's just kind of weird that. Like I, I'm doing this all after the fact because, like back in the day when I discovered a new band, I would know everything about them, you know, from the get go. Like I said, from from Kurt Loder and MTV News. Uh, but now you have to go back and read up on them. Uh, but Afghan oh. Wigs, also their frontman, Greg Dooley. Uh, it's not going to be one that I'll bring up this time, but uh, he also put out a solo album this year that I just thought was uh, magnificent. So didn't make my top five, but um, it's good to see them connected uh, through Beach Slang. You know, one of the things I've noticed uh, about this year is that because there's so many artists that are have been quarantined and they're at home and studio at home recording is not is no longer a dirty word by any stretch of the imagination. Right. It's right. The only way that people have done things for the, the last nine months or so um, anyway. Uh, so that that's the part that I like about where we are is that, you know, there are bands. I mean, one of my favorite, favorite bands of all time, top 10 bands of all time. Uh, is coming out with a new record and I've heard a new single from them that came out in July. I wasn't aware of it till I guess about last month. Um, but you know, it's a band that had kind of retired because they'd all kind of gone their separate ways, but because of the magic of, uh, of decent Wi-Fi, even when it cuts out, uh, but the magic, <laughs> yeah, of, right, the right. magic of Wi-Fi and being able to record at home and then mix the tracks yourself and figure things out bands that have not technically been together or broken up or were on infinite hiatus you know, are now putting out new music. Uh, you know, you brought up, uh, you know, Greg, it's, is it Dooley or Dully? I always screw this up. Uh, uh, it's, I say Dooley, but it could be Dully. I don't know. Who knows? Okay. And, but, but um, I, I really don't know. That wasn't like me trying to shade you. Uh, but th there are, there are bands that I haven't, th that I never thought would come out with new music. Then, you know, they've been home and they're like probably in a group chat, like everybody else. And like, really, Hey, you want to do something? And that band is um, uh, uh, too much joy. Uh, and yeah. they, they have a, a new song out and, uh, and it's, uh, again, it's super fun, pop punk stuff. Uh, it's not, that wasn't the point of this podcast, but the point was really just that there is new music coming. There are people who are at home, you know, Semisonic has a new song out that's actually terrific. Um, mm -hmm. you know, because, because they could do it because people are home and they're not out doing 8 million other things and they want to be creative and have that outlet. So I think that, I think that we're in for a 21 where we'll have a ton of stuff uh, uh, based on early returns from things coming out this year in little dribs and drabs of bands getting back together and doing some stuff uh, that you didn't even think would still had each other's phone numbers. Yeah. <laughs> back together again. Um, yeah. So uh, going, teeing off of that and talking about people who record at home, uh, my next pick is Fiona Apple. Uh, it always surprises me that you're never into Fiona Apple. Uh, we could talk forever about that one. How it, 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 it <laughs> of all the things, of all the people that I would have said, oh, that, that uh, I would have thought that would attract as a ski fest, and it somehow is not is not a ski fest. Uh, and yet for me, it is uh, a Shermania. Uh, <laughs> yes. I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah. uh, the Fiona Apple record, everybody knows. I mean, like, if you've paid attention at all to any of Best of Lists anywhere, it is topping almost all of them. Uh, mm -hmm. So it is not surprising that I would pick it. It is called Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Um, it was recorded over many years in her home. 
Uh, she dropped it early in April because she's smarter than everyone else. She'll tell you that she's smarter than you, but she actually is smarter than you. And she's smarter than her record label that wanted to release it later in the fall. And she said, no, 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 this is perfect for right now. Let it out right now. And she dropped it in April. And I think it got a perfect rating from Pitchfork of a perfect 10. Uh, in fact, I know it did. Uh, and and it is, it's her masterpiece. Uh, she could create another masterpiece in two years. And then I will call that her masterpiece. But for now... I call this her masterpiece. Um, it is raw. It is isolating. It is um, it is it is incisive. Uh, it is every bit as incisive as Phoebe Bridgers' lyrics. Uh, only it comes from the mouth of that that gorgeous Fiona Apple tone. Uh, she plays the piano. She's got um, uh, a great group of, of musicians that came to her house and recorded at various points because she clearly did this pre-pandemic. You know, she's always been known as a bit of a recluse. I only saw her once in concert, which was actually at a different governor's ball in New York, uh, where I went for one day. And she was, it was like nine years ago or eight years ago. It was, she was unbelievable. Um, because, you know, once she gets over the stage fright, she's an unbelievable performer. Just incredible. She sounds exactly like she does on the records, uh, maybe better. Uh, you know, she's got that vibrato. Um, and I, I grant you, it could be a, a, a love it or hate it kind of voice. I'll, I'll grant that much. Like if there's people that are like, I just don't like her voice, dude, and there's nothing you can do. Hey, okay. You know, I, I can't win every battle with that. Um, but, <laughs> but, but I, I think that, I think, she, I think she's always played urgent music. She's always been over dramatic. I've always been into that kind of thing. Um, and uh, and and it's it's a tremendous album, and it deserves every bit of uh, the accolades that it's gotten. So it's no surprise that I'm, you know, touting it because because uh, nearly every music critic is, um, and and you know the Grammys noticed. Um, uh, and a side note, one of my favorite uh, uh, supporting players, uh, Sebastian Steinberg, who played a stand-up bass in the band Soul Coughing which is uh, Mike Doty's uh, band uh, from the, the 90s that I was super into for all three records and have raved about incessantly. Uh, Sebastian Steinberg was the stand-up bass player in that band and plays on uh, a number of the tracks and helped produce some of the tracks from Fetch the Bolt Cutters. And it's cool to hear a stand-up bass uh, in a couple of the tracks on Fetch the Bolt Cutters uh, and that the, it's someone whose work I've admired in another, in another band as well. So... So I have to be honest, and I think, you know, Fiona Apple is one of those artists for me that if somebody could say, well, you're not giving her a fair shake, and they would be right. Like, I just, <laughs> they would be absolutely right. And I think everybody, we all have these biases. Like, Lana Del Rey could put out, um, you know, the most amazing album, and several people think she has over the past few years. I can't get over the fact that she gave the worst performance on Saturday Night Live ever so bad that I can't honestly say I could give her a fair shake. I don't think Fiona Apple's necessarily in that category. I'm going to think about listening to this album because you're, you're on the podcast and I want to react to it on a future podcast. Um, <laughs> and, but I, I'll be honest, like I just had what others felt found compelling about her as an artist. I always found insufferable. And when I try to go back to listening to when the pawn album, which I think I raised on our, how to set up in my CD collection podcast. <laughs> I just, I, I didn't hear it. That's and the was, unreleased basement tapes part of right. the podcast. We've never released that. Yeah. And you, <laughs> and you mentioned how meaningful that album was to you and Sarah. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not blind. Every most music fans that I know and whose music interests I respect 
have that as one of their, their top albums. I just have a block with her. Um, so I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to give it a go. But I admit, fully admit, I go into this with a bias uh, against the artist, which isn't fair, but we all have that for some uh, artists. Um, I so I, the, I'll give it a go. The voc- I love the vocabulary word that you that you use <laughs> to describe how you feel about her. So I would love to hear you expound on that just like a little bit because I like I like this. Uh, you know, I, I like a good I like a good musical bon vivant discussion. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, and we agree on so many things. So it's nice that we don't agree on this uh, in in many ways. What is it that makes makes her insufferable to you? Um, great I choice think, of words. Great choice of words, by the way. Well, I think I completely comes, disagree, it, but it's a great choice of words. It, again, it, it's like it, it's you know, I it, it's it's in the eye of the beholder, and you know, for mm-hmm. some, you know, her, you know, reluctance to get on stage, reluctance to perform, shyness about performing. Um, you know, some folks, you know, make a connection with that. Um, I take it the other way. I think you know, I don't, I don't look at it as, oh, how you know, she's being so raw and she's being so bare. You put out music, you signed to a major record label, you made major music videos, and now you're gonna tell us, oh, I'm not too sure about this. I'm not too sure about this world I'm entering. The hell you are. You don't care about it when <laughs> you signed with, you know, with a major record label and you, and you made your videos. So I don't know, like I, I get where you and other fans are coming from and that connects you to that artist. For me, it's the opposite. Like, you know, you you sign you signed your name on the dotted line, and now you're unsure. Um, and I would say that about a band that like I loved, and you know, that obviously had a huge cultural uh, impact, um, Nirvana. And you know, rest in peace. I don't mean to like, you know, walk on the grave of Kurt Cobain. But one thing Go that there. I never do bought, it. Walk no, on but it. One, one thing I never bought into is like you signed your name to that contract you knew did you know that was going to happen where you know it was going to explode all over mtv and you were going to you know be put on the covers of multiple music magazines no probably not but you still got butch vig to produce the record and you still got you know you signed to the major label you still made the video i don't know so like that part of it i just have never understood and ultimately he couldn't handle that success and so that's what I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to suggest that like I'm not sympathetic. Um, but for when artists there's something the kiss part of me loves the fact that Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley have never ever apologized for wanting to be what they've become. And they don't give a shit what anybody else says. Um, and so I don't know. I for so for Fiona Apple, I just have that mental block of when she emerged as an artist. What some people found compelling, I just I just found insufferable. That is such a hot, <laughs> scorching hot take. It is awesome. Uh, I, I I have nothing. To, I have no retort because I want to move on, uh, even though I have an infinite volume of retort. I'm sure you do. Uh, I'm surprised you're, you're restraining yourself. <laughs> well, I, I, listen, I, I I I love that you brought in. Uh, I mean, like to call in like a heavy hitter. To, to supplement your argument of, of like, you have the same problem with Nirvana. Like, wow. I mean, that's like a double barreled torpedoes at like, you know, at, at, at 90s rock royalty. Um, and I, 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 I hear what you're saying. I get, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, I, you know, like I, I'm not, a, if I was a performer, I wouldn't be afraid to perform. 
Um, so I don't, it's not like I get it on a personal level, um, like why they would make those choices. I do want to see those artists. I do, I don't think it comes from a place of, of intentionally, like, I don't believe that in Fiona Apple's case, getting back to her, I don't think it comes from a, a place of her pulling a bait and switch, but you're entitled to your opinion on that. You know, like you're entitled to feel like, hey, you know, you know, stand and deliver, you know, like get up there and do it, you right. know, um, uh, you know, that that's, I feel like she's a different kind of artist with that, but that also, there, there's a cop-out element uh, to that argument that if I was going to give it, you know, of like a, hey, you know what, you know, this is, this is your profession. This is what you're paid to do. Um, you know, I guess the counter argument to that could be, I'm paid to make music, not tour. I suppose. Sure. No, that, if you wanted very to, fair. to, 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 to go that, to go that route. If that's the case, like, does that mean you were compelled to make, you know, uh, videos? And, and I think that, that in the nineties, when she first came out and was such a sensation, you know, she was very comfortable, you know, with, or, or I shouldn't say she was very comfortable. Retroactively, she said she was very uncomfortable doing the incredibly sexy videos of her performing from her first record, you know, doing, you know, doing criminal right. and, um, and doing sleep to dream and doing all of this stuff, you know, that she felt very intimidated by the male centric, the, the male gaze about her and the male, uh, the male centric, you know, music industry part of that, that, you know, made her into this kind of Lolita looking woman, uh, young woman at the time. Um, I, and that that was her reaction to that. Um, I, I can't speak to that. I'm not a woman, you know, like I'm not a woman who, who, who was, who, who felt sexualized uh, in a way and then retreated from that and just wanted to make music. I, I, I don't know. We do know that she's reclusive. She's always been a recluse. And I do believe that this record came out f uh, at the right time for people who were into forced uh, isolation because of the pandemic, right. you know, right. dr dropping that album in late April when everyone was, was actually locked down and not in fake lockdown, but actually locked into their houses for the first time ever in the United States. Like that was a incredibly perfect time to drop an album from a notoriously reclusive musician who, do, who does all, all home recordings and, and the music is terrific. And so to me, to me, it was perfect album, perfect timing uh, from the perfect artist to do that. Um, uh, you know, uh, and I, that's, and when I say perfect timing, I don't, I mean that it's not music that came out from being stuck at home. It was someone who was already stuck at home who had music about being stuck at home, right. you know, and having her right. dogs barking in the background and all that kind of stuff. Right. So um, as you know, I'm very into this, uh, this record. Uh, I think we should put a pin in it because we could talk about this forever. Um, and, uh, but uh, I love your hot take. I do. I love it. I love well, it. I disagree with it completely. But yeah, I no, I, I, so the, my last point before I offer yeah. my next selection, um, I do have to give her credit then for not, you know, going through the rat race of putting out multiple albums every two or three years and, you know, going on multiple tours. I do appreciate the fact that she stepped back from that, that that wasn't for her. And so she took, she took herself away from that. I have total respect for that um, because I think the artists that continue down that path of doing, you know, album tour, album tour, and then are visibly miserable. Um, that makes no <laughs> sense right. either. That makes no sense yeah, either. So right. I do appreciate the fact that she did that. I just have this bias against her that, like I said, from the beginning is unfair. Uh, I will give the album a listen and I'll, I'll report back to you. 
Um, and I'll try to do it with an open mind, but I'm just putting my cards on the table here. Um, I appreciate she has some work to do. <laughs> so, um, so my next uh, selection um, is follows in the hatchy snail mail vein. Again, indie, female-led indie rock. And one that I was surprised to discover today, uh, they're based out of Paris, France. And I'm going to butcher their name, but it's N Attendant Anna. Um, and the album is called uh, Juliet, and it's some okay. in, in, lyrics are in English. Um, but what attracted me to them, uh, she, the lead singer has a very delicate, wistful uh, voice. Um, but it just it reminds me a lot of um, you know some of the bands that uh, I fell in love with uh, in the early '90s of that similar vein. The Sundays is one of my all-time favorite okay. bands from the '90s that put out three, in my mind, perfect uh albums and harriet wheeler is still one of my all-time favorite vocalists i can't believe they stopped making music after 1997 um but they harken back to the sundays uh harken back to the first two cranberries records mm -hmm. uh, harken back to t early Ten Thousand maniacs um just a gorgeous um melodies uh beautiful angelic voice um anthemic but not in sort of the eliza and the delusionals anthemic they don't quite reach that uh, right. U2 level, um, but they bring in um, some horns into their songs. And the other thought that came across, and, I, and I'm not quite sure this is a great take or not. It's either brilliant or if it's just totally baseless, I'm just making <laughs> shit up. But I'm going to go with it anyway. It's like it, there's a part of them that reminds me of Swing Out Sister without uh, the synths. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> and attended on a... And attended Anna. I have never heard of this band. Uh, never. You've never mentioned this band to me ever. That's yep. great. Nope. Awesome. That's I love very it. true. Deep and dive. Out, it's a great song off that album, which I'll put on the playlist. Um, but I think you'll you'll you see. You got to get I mean. your playlist. You got to get your playlist up, bro. Like like uh, like lickety split. We got to get that out there so everybody can can compare. Because to speak to this, I I uh, a few weeks ago compiled my best my my tracks of 2020. Um, which was is actually easier for me to do this year than full albums. Uh, so my best tracks of 2020, I'm really excited about, and I actually sequenced them. Uh, so it's not designed for a shuffle. It's designed as if you had an infinite cassette tape that was more go. than 110 minutes that just kept going. Um, so, and skip past anything you don't like, but, uh, but it has, so it's extremely long, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, vital. Um, <laughs> and I look <laughs> forward it. to, but I look forward to skis because there will be certainly some things that overlap uh, from from my list and skis list, uh, and I and I think that with our our, our double barreled attack, we should be able to to cover a lot of ground. I think. Yeah, and I think and, so. uh, and and one does not preclude the other, so there could be there could be a duplication. There probably will not be a Fiona Apple duplication on skis best no, of twenty twenty list. No, sir. That probably will not make it. They probably no. won't make it. No. But. Nope. We have plenty. One band that I know that we absolutely flip and agree on like a million, a million, a million, a million percent, and that we bring up all the time on this podcast, and that there is no question uh, is making some of the best underappreciated music in in the the sphere, the stratosphere, the excess, all the spheres. <laughs> all the spheres. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and a band that we discovered uh, third on a triple bill. Um, 
uh, and we've mentioned this a zillion times, but you know, hey, we haven't been to new shows in a while, so we're going to keep referencing right, all the right, old ones. Right, right, right. Uh, but but uh, about uh, almost two years ago now, we went to see a concert at Union Stage here in DC, uh, where the the Beths were headlining. Um, the Bad Bad Hats with a second with, with the uh, first opener, and then the second opener is a local band from DC proper called Bad Moves. Um, Bad Moves is brilliant. They had a new album that came out this year called Untenable. Um, so it's Bad Moves, Untenable. It's an absolute must. It's it's pop punk perfection. Um, it's two guys and two girls that sing uh, and sing and play all the songs. Um, you know, weirdly, the drummer works for NPR uh, here in DC. I so no like, idea. that's kind of a that's kind of a thing that I read on on some end of the year list where like a bad moves track snuck in at number 56 on like top hundred out hundred tracks of NPR or something. Um, but there's not a bad song on the record. Um, it's super, super fun. Um, it also is a little political, which makes sense given that, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, we're talking about a band that's based here in, uh, in DC and they have the anthem of the year, which uh, Ski may or may not completely agree with, but it's certainly in contention, I would think. I'm speaking for Ski now. Uh, <laughs> but it is the song of the year. It is Sherman's song of the year, and it is uh, Party With The Kids That Want to Party With You um, by the one and only Bad Moves off of the new album, Untenable, which is flat-out terrific. They're an, and they're an awesome band that don't know that they sound like Imperial Teen a little bit because they don't know who Imperial Teen was because I asked them when I bought a t-shirt from the merch table and they looked at me like I had <laughs> things crawling out of my ears. So uh, I'm an old head that loves it uh, and uh, Untenable by Bad Moves is an absolute must spin and they know, how, they know how to construct a song. They know how to build to a chorus. They know how to add voices for maximum impact and uh, the lyrics of Party With The Kids Who Want To Party With You is should be... Uh, I don't know. It should be a central tenet of our times. Um, and I mean that <laughs> because, right. uh, because why waste your time with people that don't want to hang out with you? Uh, it, why? why? Why would you do that? I mean, yeah. like if the pandemic has shown us nothing else, like why spend your time with people that uh, you don't need to? Like, don't do it. If life is short. Like, you know, move on. Party with the kids who want to party with you. Uh, that, that's, that's the... Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's what they were thinking of. Uh, the video is great too because it's got like kids telling each other like a, a secret, and they keep like like they're in a line. They've got these children in it, you know, singing party with the kids who want to party with you, and they kind of whisper it to each other and like a grapevine kind of thing. Uh, and it's adorable and it's great. And the you know the video is them of uh, bad moves playing at a typical house party that they filmed in D.C. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, they're super great. Um, they also have like a, a great song called Working for Free. Uh, which is also on my list uh, here on the best tracks. And uh, they have this one little great little line in there where they sing a phrase that you hear in tech like all the time. Uh, and, uh, and, the, and the phrase is, it's not a bug, it's a feature. And I, don't, I can't believe a rock band put a, a, a reference like that into a, into a pop song and it just works perfectly. It's kind of like, I don't know, it just like sticks with me. Like that like, that they they're that that's smart and they're singing about it and I I just think it's great so well I I, I, I love that you can't just say enough about bad moves I love that you just <laughs> said smart because like I've been struggling like with come up with the right way you know describe bad moves and why I'm so into them and I hardly endorse this pick it's definitely in my top five although I'm picking another album for my last one because I knew you'd pick this one but I 
it's there for Thank me you. too. <laughs> and the thing that like, and, and, you know, aside from like, I, I love a band where they have multiple vocalists and I love a band where they swap vocals in a song, you know, and they go back and forth. But the thing, the word that kept coming to mind was like, I'm trying to like put this on paper. How do I describe it? It was, it was smart. Like it's just some smart um, post-punk indie rock music. It's just smart what they do. And you listen to a party with the kids that want to party with you. You're like, yeah, that's right. That is so smart. And it's so, <laughs> right. it so grabs you. And like, you're like, I'd have to, you know, believe in this song. I want to believe in this song. It's going to make me move. It's going to make me dance. And all their songs are like that. Like they're just, the way they're put together is so smart. The lyrics are so smart. Um, and you know, the snappy the, the song, and they're snappy. snappy. Yeah. Smart, snappy <laughs> music. So I'm with you on that one. I'm with you on the bad moves, bad moves. You know, they're going to climb up um, uh, the bill on a number of different bands. And I could see them opening, you know, for, you know, a larger act at some point. Um, and it just gives me so much hope that that kind of music is still being made and still being produced and still being created. Um, and it gives me hope that it it will break through, um, you know, to the kids and, um, you know, continue the fine tradition of so many that came before them that apparently they're not aware of. So, yeah, I hardly endorsed that one. Excellent. You're up. Um, so the last one, and I got, I mean, like I was going back and forth on this pick because you mentioned um, Husker Du and Bob Mould and another, um, you know, one another take. And I was thinking about him because I, I just love everything that he does. But that's part of the reason why I'm going to skip him this time because I could, he puts out an album almost every year. And so I could mention a Bob Mould album every year. He's going to make my top 10. Um, but the, the last one, and then there are others, like I mentioned to you, like the retro rockers that put out great music this year, ACDC, Doves, Strokes, Killers, and one that just stunned me, Not A Surf, which I was never a fan of, you know, when they first emerged, but they put out a great album this year. Not but, A Surf is a sneaky, great band. Yeah. And, and so I, but it, it was kind of like in that vein of like, who surprised me this year. Um, and so I got the very first uh, Best Coast album and loved it. And I just thought this was such a beautiful album. Um, sugary pop music, but with a stripped down uh, indie sound. And I just thought that was, it was just brilliant. Um, so I was crazy for you, it came out in 2010. And that was right about the time where I get, I stopped collecting and buying uh, new albums. And so I kind of lost track of them uh, for a while. Um, and they waited, uh, California Nights came out in 2015. So the album that I'm picking uh, is Always Tomorrow from Best Coast and just combines, nice. you know, some of those elements of that, that first record that I just loved. I mean, the lyrics were so simple, so almost high school musical-esque, dare I say. Uh, thank you, Ruthie. Um, also reminds me of Fountains of Wayne, to be honest, you know, just the, the way their approach to creating these masterful three, two, three minute pop songs with just a stripped down sound, but always tomorrow came out and it was like, yes, that's exactly what I need. I think it's, there's more, there's more um, melancholy in, in the lyrics, uh, not as sunshiny um, as some of the other albums. So just, you know, for the background, this is Bethany. Uh, what's her last name? Here it is. Uh, Cosentino um, mm, is mm -hmm. really the, the driving force behind uh, the duo. Um, so, but it's it's just a different light. Everything has changed for the first time. Just wreckage. Um, these songs just evoke that similar uh, shiny pop sound um, with a stripped down feel to it. And in the lyrics this time, I think a little bit more 
introspective, a little bit more melancholy, but still um, just beautiful. And so it was like, it was just a welcome, I don't know, I can't say return to form because I just, I'd lost track of them after that incredible debut 10 years ago. And it was yeah. just great to like pick it up again. So best coast, always tomorrow. I, uh, a, I want to listen to that whole record because I will say this. Um, I can't agree with you more on the, uh, that, that track, Everything Has Changed. In fact, that is the title of the playlist uh, of my Best of 2020 playlist is Everything Has Changed and by Best Coast. And it's on, just right there on it. Um, so clearly I support your decision. Um, you <laughs> uh, but I haven't listened to the whole record. So you, uh, is it easy talk into it for me to, to give the whole record a spin? Because um, I was also on board with that with that record from ten years ago, and it freaks me out that it's been yeah. that Best Coast has yeah. been out for ten years. Like yeah. that's like if there's one thing that is absolutely like like weirding me out uh, to the nth degree uh, lately, um, and I I do think this is a product of being at home more. It's you know um, I take a lot of heat for having a lot of stuff from from some members of my friendship circles uh i do um i like my stuff i do um but you know one of the things that it's kind of interesting to you know like uh, uh, in a blink of an eye uh you know uh, my uh austin city limits t-shirt that that i bought in 2010 is 10 years old right yeah. like 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 i'll be picking out a, a t-shirt because it's not like i have to worry about wearing anything else but you know, I'll pick a t-shirt. It's like, wow, this is a 10-year-old t-shirt. Yeah. You know, like, and and it feels like we, you and me were there yesterday running across uh, that park, uh, the, the park in, in Austin to grab the last of the fried chicken before the fried chicken stand was closing. Yep. Like, <laughs> that was like, a, that was a full throttle, you know, that was a sprint for me sprint, to make sure that yeah. we got that fried chicken. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> but, but, but Best Coast has been around for 10 years. That's what? Like, like you know, it's yeah. thinking about the, that when I first listened to the Hold Steady, uh, which has nothing to do with Best Coast at all, um, but that like the whole study the first records were like in 05, 06, something along those lines, maybe yeah. earlier than that even. Yeah. Like, and like like that, like and that my buddy from work at the time, Matt Chen, was like, hey, you would like these guys. They sound like they were from New Jersey, even though they're from the Twin Cities. And it was like a revelation, you know, yeah. to listen to the whole study, you know, like, but like their classic albums are like, 15 years old like their bad album heaven is whenever just had its like 10th anniversary like what i think is their bad album sorry craig but like I, i'm not really into that one um the point is is that i'm old and it's weird yeah. <laughs> and it beats the alternative but when you look through your stuff and you realize how old some of your stuff is and you know yeah i gotta throw some things out but you know uh it's uh it's it's strange it's strange to realize that best coast's first album was 10 years ago it, it really is. And like you mentioned, Hold Steady, like one of my favorite bands from the era and one that, you know, I keep going back to Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. I think their first album came out almost, like, almost 20 years ago. 20, I mean, I think they were like 20 years ago. Oh, one or so, you know, and God, yeah, it just it, it feels like yesterday. Um, so, yeah, but it was just it was fun to like get back into Best Coast and so much of it is, I think, just, you know, the past decade for me, obviously becoming a dad and changing jobs. Um, and then just the changes of how we, you know, consume and digest music has just right. changed and thrown everything out. The so I had to, like, relearn how to discover uh, new music because so much of the albums that we've talked about in previous podcasts, it was through MTV and 120 Minutes and, you know, back in San Francisco, Live 105 and Hey Fog and 
and just it was like music was changing so like it just it took me a while to figure out like how do i you know discover you know new music and honestly it's as simple for me as i'd like to be able to say like oh i'd read pitchfork and oh like i read rolling stone i don't occasionally look at pitchfork and i've stopped subscribing to rolling stone for the first time in in decades which is weird but honestly it's just like apple music every friday saying like hey here's the new music miss you know based on what you've listened to and so i think it's kind of like faceless and you know, me- mechanic, I suppose, but they give me some gems. <laughs> so I'm not going to have complaining. <laughs> and it's just been, Bus Coast was one of them. Like, I would have never known they put out a new album, but there's like, oh, there it is. Huh? Yeah, I remember them. I have that, you know, record from way back when. So Best Coast. I think that's one of those things that uh, it's, I, I find it interesting that you bring that up and that that's like a, a, a pathway that that is that is not an anti-technology, no. uh, you know, rant. Like it, that's 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 interesting because I think the easy answer at this point is to be like, ah, oh, well, the ag- algorithm told me this, and of course, I, you know, you're telling me I should like it, and da 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 da, and that you you know, people are trying to, um, you know, j- that 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 it's inauthentic. Yeah. You know, like yeah. Right. 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 Like, like authenticity has always been such a huge musical argument, you know, like is, is the band playing their instruments? Like are the Beastie Boys playing their instruments? Right. Like is Vili Vanilli playing their instruments? You know, I shouldn't put those two bands next to each other, but like the, the point is like, like, you know, like, Oh, did they write the song? Did they do this? You know, what is the, you know, did they sell out, you know, all of those things, right? Like those matter, those mattered in moments to critics when critics had more power, you know, uh, it, 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 you know, however you find it, if you like it and it speaks to you, then it's okay, yeah. right? Like, like we have to we have to allow ourselves permission to throw out some of the older rules and say, you know what? If if you found it through listening to Spotify, or you found it by listening to you know someone's recommendation through a podcast, like there's that's great. Like that's the marriage of the good part about technology, about the good part about sharing right. information and things and discoveries you know like like i don't care what spotify tells me is my you know most played track of the year or what i listen to because that's not the only way that i listen to music sometimes i'll put on vinyl sometimes it's just you know it's satellite radio sometimes it's whatever you know whatever might be on right like that's that's fine like i mean like it that's cool but i'm not gonna post it you know, like uh, the the most played the most played thing on everybody's Spotify should be the Sherman and Ski Talk You Into It podcast. That's mm-hmm. what it should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think some of the old arguments do need to be chucked. Uh, I, I think uh, you know I'll episode eight it and say like, well, what about the other side? And like you know, like let's not just assume that it's terrible that uh, that a, an algorithm from Apple found you some new tunes. That's cool. You still chose to listen. Right, you know, like you, you still made those decisions, and they and they make mis- they make they make mistakes too. Like they'll say, you might check out this one." Like, no, not that, you know. So it's yeah, but I, I think it's no been, Fiona, no, yeah, no, not Fiona. <laughs> but it's been liberating and in a similar way that, like, when Napster first emerged, like that was I, the songs that I downloaded off of Napster when you when I, that, someone first turned me on to that. It was all the pop songs that I didn't feel like I could buy you know, at that mm. time. And so it was liberating to be able to do that. And this has been liberating because, yeah, I mean, the way I discovered new bands, new music, I don't have the time to go to, even in like a, a normal year, I wouldn't have time to go to as many shows as I used to. Um, you know, I don't subscribe to like the, the music mags that I, I did at one time. 
Um, so it's just, it's, it's been a way for me to discover new music and I don't care if it's in some algorithm. It's, yeah, it, it introduced me to Eliza and the Delusionals. It introduced me to the Atomic Bitch Wax. It introduced me to En Untended Anna, Beach Slang. And so those are my top five albums of the year. So I, nice. I, I give full credit to Steve Jobs like and everyone it. at Apple. And in something that will shock no one, uh, I, I'm uh, 180ing away from everything that we've talked about and just going straight Homer pick with the last pick. Um, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Letter to you. Uh, it's it's gorgeous. It's I think it's a gorgeous record. It's a Heartland rock record. They recorded it in five days with the E Street Band in uh, the middle of a pandemic in New Jersey. And the thing that I will, I mean, I I love Bruce Springsteen like like crazy. And so it's a Homer pick for sure. Uh, there is something about the fact that Bruce Springsteen has this innate ability to, when things are going great, remind you through his music that there are hard times too, and that, or there may be hard times ahead, or to remember that there were hard times, that times weren't always this good. And then when times are hard, he puts out an album that says, yeah. hey, it's not always going to be this hard. There are good times ahead. And also remember the good times. And let's be, let's be, uh, let's be thankful for the good times that we did have. Uh, and let's look forward to good times in the future. Like he just does that. And like he does it in a way that, you know, if you hate Bruce Springsteen, you're not, I'm not going to be able to like Bruce Springsteen. Like if you're just like, oh, screw that guy. Like, like I'm tired of his sanctimonious crap. Well, then this podcast is not for you. And thank you for playing. Uh, it, you know, but he's brilliant and everyone knows he's brilliant. And anyone who says he's not is wrong. Um, <laughs> that's it. Uh, Letter to You is terrific. It feels urgent. Uh, I feel like a lot of the records that I picked felt particularly urgent. Yes. Um, this year, all five of them, if there was one thread between them, besides that they're mostly critically re respected is more so that they're all felt very urgent to me. Um, I like the fact that he didn't overproduce the record that he just said, okay, let's get together. Hey band, Hey band, let's get in here, get down to Jersey. And then they all show up. Like he blows like the, he blows the seashell and like everybody shows up and they record for five days and they have a record that is like a, a, a you know, for me, a top five record, but for a lot of people, a top 50 record, uh, a return to form. Um, his best record since Magic from 2007. Uh, if you like the album Magic, you will like Letter to You a lot. They have a lot of similarities. Um, I think that Ghosts is one of his best songs. Um, I'll See You in My Dreams is a, is a terrific album closer. Um, Letter to You is it gets in your head. It's an earworm. It, it's it's a, a Ghosts is Ghosts as a song harkens back to like when he assembled like. Thunder Road in some ways, in mm. some ways, it's not the same, but what he does so well and considering how fast they turn this album out, like he constructs a song. He's got, he gives, he gives the, the, the space for all of the players to have a little moment in the sun in the song. Like there's that moment where he's got his own guitar solo and then like he lets the piano go and then he lets uh, Professor Roy Bitten on the organ and Max is holding it all together on the drums. I mean, it's, 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 it's just a well-built song. And just when you think it's over, like you get this little coda at the end of it. 
but like it's a coda that works. It's not too long. It's like another 75 seconds of Bruce and it still fits in the context of the entire song. And you're like, yeah, man, that's it. That's, that's the shit, man. That's it. So, you know, absolutely middle-aged, fine, whatever. Stick it up your butthole. Like, it's so good. It's so good. Um, I like House of a Thousand Guitars. Um, that's a great record. It's a great record. If you get the vinyl, spring for the extra money and get, like, the fancy vinyl. Um, it's a beautiful packaging. It looks like a coffee table book. Um, and it sounds great. And it's on three sides of the vinyl. And then the fourth side is, like, this, um, uh, like, uh, it, uh, vinyl design thing on the fourth side there's no music on it because it's and it's a short record for Bruce it's not a 74 minute Bruce record right which he should not do he's done it if you're gonna do that just listen to the river and have it be a double album no you're like this is right it's a right length of of Bruce like it's 42 minutes you don't get sick of it and then you move on and do something else so it's wonderful and letter to you Bruce Springsteen and I'm, due, band. I'm due to give it another listen um, because I love Magic. And you mentioned that when it first came out. And I absolutely love that album, Magic. And I just, I need to sit down and listen to it uh, again. So I haven't given it its, it's due and its proper uh, attention. Um, and so I, I'm going to, to do that. And so I can speak more uh, coherently to you about it uh, next time. So you got it. Yeah. And I will say the, uh, uh, you know, you were mentioning SNL performances earlier, like the SNL performance. Uh, I thought Bruce, I thought Bruce did a great job on SNL recently. Um, I don't know if you saw it or not, but I thought, I thought they sounded great. So um, yeah. I haven't seen I it know. yet, but I, his live from New York city, I mentioned this to you several times live from New York city from like 99, the first three songs off of that. I know I, whenever like I have a late night and I'm like, before I go to bed, I just I want to listen to those songs again. <laughs> My love will not let you down. Prove it all night and uh, two hearts. And so, yeah, um, I'll never. Yeah, forget, that's a great record. I never forget the first time I saw him live, and it was like you obviously have known this for years, and I was always aware of Bruce, but never understood the impact of Bruce. But when I saw him live in '06, maybe the first time. Um, it was like, oh, oh, okay. So that's what Sherman is talking about. <laughs> so you know, that's just, what it is. Oh, oh, okay. I, now I get it. I get it. So, um, yeah, I'm going to have to give that a, another spin. Because uh, I love the fact that he, like Bob Mould and others, are, are still putting out new music. And it, it's, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. But, and I get why the, the Billy Joels of the world decide that that's just not for them anymore. But, I don't know. I love an artist that is still trying to chase that sound and chase that song. And, you know, maybe they come close, but they don't quite get there, but they're still chasing. And I, I just find that, you know, speaking of urgent and compelling, um, I find those mm. kind of artists urgent and compelling. And they, and they wouldn't be the artists that I love if they didn't do that. So, um, yeah. Excellent. So yes. give me the, give me the, give me the, the, the quick rundown skis top five, uh, go just like the the names of the artists and the name of the record, and then I'll follow suit. Um, I'm gonna give you the art. So Atomic Bitch Wax Scorpio, Eliza and the Delusionals, whichever whatever we came up with was the name of the album title because I've already forgotten it. Uh, Beach Slang, um, Beach Slang, right? And, and Attendant Anna, which is there's Juliet, um, and then Best Coast, uh, Always Tomorrow. So those are uh, those are my top five. And Attendant Anna. And the Beach Slang record, uh, which I know that you were saying is uh, is is hard. It, that has the amazing 
I got I deleted the uh the page. But the amazing oh, album title. Yeah, the Deadbeat Bang of Heartbreak City. The Deadbeat Bang of Heartbreak City. That is God bless him. That is honestly, that is tremendous. Tremendous, tremendous album title. Um mine, uh, I believe I'm gonna go see if I remember in order. I said Run the Jewels Four. Um I believe I said Phoebe Bridgers, Punisher, uh, Fiona Apple, Fetch the Bolt Cutters, Bad Moves, Untenable, and Bruce Springsteen, Letter to You. Those are our individual top five and uh, I guess collective top 10 albums of 2020, dear listeners. And the Elias and the Delusionals, it's a state of living in an objective reality. So a state a, of a, living in an objective reality. It's a five song EP, but this five is too good to, to pass up. So I'm including them in the I will tell you this, everyone. One of the coolest things that Ski does is that he actually purchases these records and orders them um, to support the artists, and uh, that is uh, that is commendable. I wish I could say I I I I focused on that. Maybe I'll see if I can uh, uh, do that for this year and going forward uh, of actually purchasing the physical record. Obviously, I have the physical Bruce record, right? Um, but I I don't own. I have the the I've been listening to the 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 albums in their entirety. Uh, for the other four, but I haven't bought. You know, I, if we were at a bad move show, I would already have it. Right? Um, Are you, you saying? You know, like, yeah. No. Yeah. Same. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think the Run the Jewels album is is uh, you do need a special order it because it sells out so fast. Um, and you know, I, I don't know. I have the Fiona Apple catalog, every other album, uh, but they're all on compact disc. I think I think I have three compact discs, and I have one that's like what that I bought on iTunes. So like I have her. This is the only album I, I don't physically own yet. Um, and I have, uh, and, and my, uh, I bought Boy Genius for my wife, which is a Phoebe Bridgers uh, supergroup record that we have on vinyl here. But, but anyway, the point is, is that what you do is super cool, dude, that you buy the records to support the artists and that's important. And we need more yous out there. We need more people like you that will do that and make it a, and make it a point to add it to the collection. Well, thank you. No, I, I it's a, you know, I can't, can't really get away with buying as many albums as I used to, but uh, what I do is, like I said, try to just pick those top five and uh, get them on vinyl. And it's just a nice way to support the artist, add to your add to your collection. And I, that's what I think more than anything. I just I miss collecting music and holding it in my hands and just taking it mm -hmm. all in. So um, my daughter Ruthie got me the. U2's All That You Can't Leave Behind on vinyl, which I don't even know if it was released on vinyl when that album came out in 20, 2001. No. So that was no. under the Christmas tree from her. Um, and so, it's yeah. A it's a choice it's, by it's, your daughter. It's fun to like, yeah, just hold that in your hands and, and take a look at the lyrics again. So, yeah, good way to support the artists. Cool. And um, yeah, yeah go, visit, visit, visit the merch table. And especially if they're an opening band, you'll get the, a chance to talk to them and <laughs> <laughs> try to confuse them with a classic 90s uh, indie rock bands. So. Awesome. Uh, any honorable mentions of uh, records yes. to briefly bring up? Yeah, no, I think I, I mentioned some of them, um, but the, the Strokes had a great new album. The Killers was a fine return to form for me and the Killers had some issues with, you know, their some of their preceding uh, records after... Um, they're massive. I really debut. like that Killers record. I'm yeah. with you on that Killers yeah. record. I really like that. Yeah. And um, Not a Surf was the most surprising album for me. I couldn't believe that I loved it as much as I did. ACDC gives you what you want. ACDC yep. gives you the same album each time, but 
just it, it was enough enough of a, a change in the the lyric that it you know they're not putting out the well they are putting out the same album but that's fine it's it's just it's, it's a glorious ACDC rock and roll it's a great album it's just a great album so that's there <laughs> um Bob Mold Fake Names is another one that uh, had a great album this year Greg Dolly Doves another uh band that um you know put out a, a new album that I I think that their last mm-hmm. Doves album I bought was 15 20 years ago um so those are some uh, honorable mentions Honorable mentions for me, a good list, by the way. Um, honorable mentions for me, um, Heim. The Heim record is great. Um, it's also a Grammy nominee. Women in Music Part 3 um, is uh, terrific. Everything I've heard from the Pearl Jam record is great. Yes, agreed. Um, so I think Gigaton, you know, is another example of a band that doesn't drop an album every year. And, and I think they make a, a really good choice by not not doing that you know that do a lipper record it, it's a pop record but that future nostalgia is really good it's mm. it's it's i mean you know maybe time and place rules but like that's that's a fun dance record and you know i've read a number of articles about how the weird part about the pandemic is that you know is that dancing comes back and and in kind of a in hopeless times i feel like people dance you know like it, i really like that there's nothing else to do like it's uh it's uh and you know I don't know. As part, and I always, I thought that was super interesting about a lot of the protests. That some of the protests would just break out into a dance in front of, you know, cops with, uh, cops with shields and batons and tear gas in our nation's capital, like right down the street from the White House, and people are just yeah. breaking out into dance as their protest. Uh, let's not forget that all that happened. Uh, the news tends to go by in a crazy current, and but that happened, and. Uh, yeah, so there's that. Um, but getting back to tunes, uh, some of the other awesome stuff that I liked. Um, I really like this one song by The Districts, which is not a band based in DC, uh, but they have this kick-ass, uh, uh, kick-ass track. Um, and I'm totally blanking on it, uh, of course, the title while I'm trying to look it up. Um, oh, there it is, Cheap Regrets. Uh, the song Cheap Regrets is like a, a sneaky honorable mention song of the year candidate for me. Uh, it's super great. <laughs> nice. um, I love this song Hard on Everyone by Kathleen Edwards. Uh, that's a great individual track. Uh, it's uh, and I everything that Future Islands has put out in the uh, this year uh, has sounded awesome to me. I'm kind of obsessed with this dude's voice. Um, I think I think once I finally get around to listening to the whole record. I would probably it probably would have been a strong consideration from breaking into my top five. I'm betting that I would like it that much. Um, so yeah, those are my honorable mentions. Nice. Well, well done all around. I couldn't agree more on the Pearl Jam album. That's one that I've been you know slowly considering you know moving up and breaking into the top ten. But I think what I'm just gonna have like a a separate side list for, you know, some of the bands like the Pearl Jams that put out you know, great new music this year, but they're, yeah, they, it, they just still do it and they do it on their own terms. Um, and I love that. Yeah. But like Bruce, they're still writing and creating um, and, you know, putting out music for fans. And, and it's, it's a band that I've never, like, I haven't embraced seeing them on every tour, but I think the chance I get to go again to a Pearl Jam show, I'm going to do it. Oh, Pearl so. Jam is awesome live. Oh yeah. my God. They're just, they're, they're fantastic. I've got a, I've got a friend of mine who, uh, he, uh, he, he, every time they play Wrigley, he like flies from San Antonio to Chicago and he, <laughs> he goes to see Pearl Jam at Wrigley. Like, it's just like, 
like it, it like I, lo I love a pilgrimage you know and uh and uh yeah it's been it's been now over 10 years i think i, I saw bonner uh saw pearl jam at a bonnaroo in the late uh uh 2000s so i think 08 yeah 08 or something like that um yeah i mean yeah they're <laughs> they just they're just they just torch it i mean because he sounds great he keeps his voice in great shape and you know they they sound they're, they're tight they're tight this i mean you know but again that like i, I know that ages us that we're talking about pearl jam of course like, it, it just inevitably does you know yeah. like i mean but hey, this podcast has been listened to by people between the ages of 35 and 54 hey. by more than anyone else. So uh, we shouldn't feel the need to cater to the youths because they don't care what we have to say anyway. No, should they? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, man. Oh, man. Well, uh, thank you so much for everything this year. Thank you to our listeners uh, for listening to us talk uh, this year. Uh, it's been really great to be able to put something out into the universe and hopefully you're you're taking a listen um uh i want to talk a little bit quickly and then wrap up uh just that we have uh episodes in the can that are done uh and i want to do a sneak peek at those artists and just read them off i'll go with uh with one that is that'll come out next uh first in the new year which is finished uh and we did the gin blossoms and that was uh it's a fun a fun one uh, that was a fun one to talk about uh, in the sense that they create that shimmering pop sound, uh, but their backstory is so depressing, um, quite frankly. Uh, and I won't get much more into it, but that we go to both sides of it. We go to like the the out the the surface, which is this beautiful pop pop classics from the early early to mid '90s, and uh, the tragic nature of how uh, they created that music. Uh, so that's one of them. Ski, you want to give a preview of any of the others? I, I've forgotten what we did, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> what did we record? Um, uh, we did the go. All right, so I'll do them. So yeah, do, you do them. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> well, we we did Guns N' Roses. Yep. Uh, and and that one is uh, that's a that's a ski fest, folks. Like that yeah. that 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 podcast is is going to be great. Um, and we did uh, and, and then we did the Pretenders. So when the Pretenders one comes out, that's going to be super awesome uh, as well. Um, and we did New Order, uh, which uh, I, so if you liked our Duran Duran one, I'm betting that the New Order one is going to be right up your alley. And, uh, and then we uh, are probably going to do another two-parter with one of Ski's favorites from uh, the San Francisco Bay, even though they sound like they're from New Orleans, which is Creedence Clearwater Revival. Yes, so sir. those are the ones to look forward to. Uh, and, uh, and they've all been super fun to do ski. And I thank you for, uh, giving up your precious time, uh, to, uh, to do the pod, man. It's awesome. That's been fun. A lot of great music coming up in, in 21. Look forward to doing this again, uh, next year. Um, and yeah, if you have any suggestions of bands that we should, uh, cover on the pod, uh, let us know. Yeah. Shoot us an email, Sherman and ski at gmail.com. Have a great new year. Uh, ski and I hopefully will be karaokeing. Uh, via some weird ass app. Oh, um, amen. 